This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Pranam Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. We had a solid slate of college football in Week 8, with now number 7 TCU undefeated after knocking off a top 25 Kansas State squad. Oklahoma State beats Texas in a comeback victory late in the fourth quarter and re-enters the top 10 of the AP poll, and a couple of undefeated teams outside of the Big 12 fell this weekend as Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss and Chip Kelly's UCLA teams both received their first loss of the season to LSU and Oregon, respectively. But we'll start, of course, with Baylor holding on for dear life against Kansas, as the Bears were able to finish the job after their 28-3 to halftime lead dwindled to just a five-point advantage late in the fourth quarter. Baylor received the ball leading 28-23 with six minutes and 29 seconds left in the fourth quarter and was able to put together pretty much a picture-perfect offensive drive. The Bears nearly took four minutes off the clock using the run game and, in my eyes, just as importantly, put the ball in the end zone to take a two-possession lead. The deciding play of this game in my mind, was a third and two on that drive at the Kansas 45-yard line. Baylor called a QB draw option with Blake Shapin and Richard Reese running side-by-side. Shapin read the defense, tossed the ball to Reese, who hit the corner and took off for 37 yards to set up a Baylor first and goal, which turned into a touchdown and, and sealed the deal on Saturday. Kansas had all the momentum at that point in the game, and I think that if Baylor doesn't convert there, Kansas gets the ball with about three and a half minutes on the clock, two timeouts, and all the momentum. And I think that leads to them potentially having a game-winning drive. It would have been a big decision on fourth down if Baylor hadn't converted on third and two, but, but Baylor doesn't have to make that decision because of a great play call by Jeff Grimes and great ex- execution by the offense. Kansas instead got the ball down two possessions with two and a half minutes left in the morale was much lower at that point and and the bears finish off with the four and out and hold on to win and get to two and two in conference play andrew your thoughts on this win oh it's, it's nice to get back in the the win column Pranay. and man you were you were super hyped for this this podcast recording session and uh man you you've delivered so uh yeah it's just it's just really great to see the bears get a get a w but man that was a a hectic game usually baylor's on the uh the comeback side you know if if um you know usually baylor is the one that that's making the the big comebacks and that was the that was the closest game against kansas since um i believe it was 2018 but really the closest game these two teams have played since 2011 when the bears came back in 
in Lawrence to win with uh, RG3. And uh, it was it was nerve-wracking there for, for, for a hot minute. And uh, fortunately, Baylor finally strung the drive together. They did six of their seven plays on the um, on the ground on that final touchdown drive and uh, were able to again move the ball at will uh, really they were they were the only ones that stopped themselves and uh, you know at this point I think all of Baylor Nation is just taking it week by week and they got a, uh, a really tough t- test this weekend against Texas Tech absolutely um, Baylor the rest of Baylor's schedule is very difficult to have at Texas Tech. We have at Texas and at Oklahoma and then home games against undefeated TCU and a two-loss Kansas State team that if they get Adrian Martinez back, who got hurt in the game against TCU this weekend, yep. if they get him back, that's going to be a very difficult offense to defend against. He's the top Russian quarterback in the country. Um, we'll probably get to K-State TCU later on. Um but I think that something important that came out of this game, as long as it holds true moving forward, is how well Baylor defended the run against Kansas. Now, they, there were limited opportunities for the Kansas run game because of how quickly Baylor got out to, to such a big lead, and that led to only 12 carries total for can the running backs of the Jayhawks. Um, but Devin Neal, who came into this game averaging six and six point six yards per carry, I thought he was I was worried he was gonna cause a lot of trouble for Baylor before this game. Um, but he only had ten carries for thirty-two yards, and it seems like the run defense may be shored up just a bit after allowing Tony Mathis, the West Virginia running back, bulldozed through the Bears defense for 163 yards and two touchdowns on 22 carries. Um, and the week before that, obviously, Spencer Sanders used his legs to gash Baylor for 75 yards and a touchdown. So if they can continue to shore up that run defense, that's going to be huge moving forward, especially because they'll be playing two of the top running backs in the entire country two terrific running backs in Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State and B. John Robinson at Texas. Yeah. So if they're able to continue playing good run, run defense, I'm confident that this team will have at least a chance in a lot of those games. Um, anything anything else that stood out, stood out to you particularly? Yeah, let, let's just call it what it is. Baylor had ba- Baylor basically operated a perfect offensive game plan, definitely in the first half, and then – uh, it fell apart in the second half, but every single drive was either a touchdown drive or it was a, ended in a basically a turnover or a self-inflicted wound uh, that that ended the Bears' possession. So essentially, the Bears, the only team, the only way that that Baylor was being stopped on homecoming on Saturday was if they stopped themselves. And uh, you go through the the examples, so. Um, interception drop touchdown pass and then interception final drive of the first half first drive of the second half fumble that was returned 60 some odd yards kansas was first you know goal to goal goal situation scored a touchdown that was you know maybe 10 or 15 yard drive uh dropped baylor had a dropped pass on third third and 13 it was a really good uh 
perfect throw by Shapin. Really should have been caught by Gavin Holmes. Uh, unfortunately, dropped another pass, forced a punt, and Kansas went all the way down the field. Unfortunately, it was a really good punt, downed at the four, and Kansas went 96 yards the, the other way for, for whatever reason, just you know, kind of the snowball effect. Defense couldn't get off the field. And uh, and then Baylor Baylor driving right deep into the red zone, deep into Kansas territory, and Blake Shapin was stuffed on a fourth and one. Although I would agree, I I did think you know watching it live and even looking at some of the replays, he did make the line to game, did not get a generous spot, uh, turned the ball over on downs. Kansas again, eighty plus yard drive down the field, scores a touchdown. And then Baylor, of course, ended with the with the touchdown there. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm that's that was my biggest takeaway. And if Baylor can just move the ball at will, the offense has improved tremendously from week two in Provo to um, to laying an egg. Let's be honest against Oklahoma State to looking really good against West Virginia. Um, and again, really only stopping themselves when, you know, obviously Shapin went out with the injury, but he, the fumble returned TD, uh, where Shapin fumbled it, you know, that kind of stunted any momentum of, uh, and hope of Baylor going up two scores early in the game. And then, uh, Kyron Jones throwing a pick, uh, at the end of the game, uh, Baylor was really only stopping themselves in Morgantown. And then we see it again, Baylor's really only stopping themselves against Kansas. So that was the big thing that stood out to me. Every single drive was executed basically flawlessly and was a touchdown type drive. They were moving it that well, even where they stopped themselves, they were moving it that well. And to me, it's this, it's just correctable mistakes. All the mistakes they've made are easily fixable. Throw the ball away, throw it into the dirt, take the sack, live to fight another play. All that is very easily coachable and correctable uh, from my vantage point anyway, to where I'm with you, Pranay. I think Baylor has a shot to win any game that they play, and that's more of a testament to them as well as the um, the strength of the Big 12 conference because they could certainly lose any game um, that they play left on the schedule too, right? So they, it, you know, basically every game is essentially a coin flip. And I've talked to people that that think that we would be lucky to get two out of the next five and, and go to a bowl game. Um, some people think we're we're not going to go to a bowl game. Some people think are very optimistic, think we finish running the table and uh, and get to the Big Twelve championship game with some some tiebreaker scenarios. So. Uh, but but to me, the offense has just improved so much, and it's really interesting to watch. And the only flaw of this Baylor team, to me, besides the besides the mistakes, right, the only main flaw is the passing defense for Baylor. That's the only thing that we do not have going for us. That's probably a a C minus D D plus C minus uh, grade. Everything else is probably at least a B um, on the on the team. So. That that was kind of my big takeaway, Pranay. What what about you? Are are you as you know optimistic, glass half full type of guy, or uh, knowing that you know with the caveat that this the rest of the schedule is definitely going to be a challenge? But are you, you know, are, are you kind of in the same wavelength of uh, of positive thought? No, I've got to say I, I totally agree with you on on both of the major points that 
you made right there. Um, I I can't believe I'm saying this and, and how wrong I was about this team and and about the the Big Twelve and the conference preseason. But like we both mentioned, Baylor has five very tough games remaining on his schedule, and it'll be a, a real challenge to win two of them to get to that six win mark and and get into a bowl game. Um, the Big Twelve is still on the table, but Baylor will probably definitely have to win out for that considering TCU has no conference losses and they look they look pretty good um and yeah I don't I don't trust the pass defense but I do agree with you that this offense is coming into form Richard Reese has been a revelation this year at running back and as the commentator said more than once during the Kansas game he has a bright future ahead he seems to have a knack for reading defenses, and he's he's a tough runner. He's quick. I think he's going to be a big part of this Baylor offense moving forward, as he has been the last few games. Um, and yeah, outside of the the self inflicted wounds, Baylor's offense really looked good this game. They were moving the ball really well, yeah. uh, pretty much on on most drives. And outside of the picks, the the fumble by Shapin, the turnover on downs, the offense looked really good. But with that said, those mistakes have been happening way too often for the Baylor offense. I mean, and for Baylor in general, but yeah. including offense this year. And like like Blake Shapin is about to get sacked for a big loss on second down, and he had no chance of getting out of it. But instead of falling down and taking the sack, he tried to make something happen. He isn't able to get the throw off, and before the defender gets to him, he loses the football. Kansas picks it up and returns it all the way to the Baylor nine yard line, setting up an easy touchdown and giving Kansas life when they had none before that. And and, and the I cool thing, if I could interrupt, just. The cool thing about that is if you take the sack, yeah, it's a negative play. But the cool thing, I think, is Baylor has improved so much on offense and is looking like such a slick, well-oiled machine. If you take the negative play and live to fight another day, I have full confidence that they're going to be able to regain the lost yardage. And because Dave Miranda likes to go for on fourth down so often, like that's not a drive killer. Yeah, maybe. I mean, in that in that case, it would have been like a 15-yard sack, so it would have been like third and 17, but they at least would have been able to get back into field goal range. But I definitely get your, get your point. It's fa- yeah, you know, it's fair, yeah. <laughs> good, but you can, you, can take, you can take losses like that and still be fine on the next play or two. Um, and I think it kind of speaks to how this team has performed overall in that They've been trying to make too much happen. They try to. They've been trying to be, I think, too aggressive, and 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 too gutsy, or try to trying to do too much at times. Whether it's the offense or the defense, and it's not just Blake Shapin. Like I think, an example of that back from the Oklahoma State game would be that that safety they took on the toss play. The toss play, I think, was more of an aggressive running move and it led to a safety when they could have just done an easy run up the middle get a couple of yards and get out of get out of get get safe get into safe territory and punt the ball or try to do something else right and i think the defense has has been trying to make too many plays as well they, like they just simply don't have the chemistry and they don't really have the discipline to be able to 
try to make plays and still have someone behind them helping them out and making sure nothing bad happens on the back end like Baylor was able to do last year. They just don't have they don't have the chemistry to do that. And I think they've got to just let everything stay underneath, um, let people drive, let people pick up short games. Um, even like don't even necessarily go for sacks on the defensive line every time. Like obviously rush the pass with hard, but stay aware of what the quarterback can do because the quarterback will gash us for big games otherwise. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think, I think you're right. You know, trying to do too much, and I'm so, 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 so glad that you brought up the safety from Oklahoma State because I'm not sure how many. Um, Baylor fans caught this, but think about the safety against Oklahoma State. Big, big sweeping toss play, pitch it eight yards back in the end zone, safety, right? Negative two points, just down in the hole, can't get anything going. Kansas downed Baylor early, uh, early in the fir- or late in the first half at the one yard line, right? Down at the one yard line, same situation, back against the band, um, and. What did they do? They they ran just a uh, you know just like kind of a run to get some breathing room. Got a little bit more breathe. Got some breathing room on the first two plays. Maybe got it from the the one to the four yard line, and then Shapen stood in the pocket on third down and completed a, a really <laughs> clutch um, uh, pass to to convert that third down, keep the drive alive, go ninety nine yards down the field, and that's the difference. That's the learning curve of the coaching staff and the players and you know of just a piece of tangible evidence where backed up against their end zone they're like okay we know what to do here's what we need to do we just have to take a deep breath and execute and not try to do too much we don't need a big sweeping toss we just need to get some room and we just need to run our offense and it turned into a 99 yard touchdown drive that i believe was the fourth touchdown of the game go up 28 to 3 and um, really solidified, uh, or what seemed to solidify a, you know, a victory type thing. Yes, first half, and then yes, the collapse. But it just seemed like, all right, Baylor can do no wrong at at the time. But tangible evidence right there, and you know, so it was a great point by you that that you brought up right there, Pernay. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was talking about. Don't like they've got to adjust and then not try to do too much. So. Really glad you talked about that. Let's switch over now to other games in college football. Let's start with the Oklahoma State-Texas game. Texas has a lead at halftime. They're they're up early, but Oklahoma State ends up coming back and winning the game by a touchdown. They win. That was Quinn Ewers not being very accurate he had the the twitter birds say quinn ewers had 14 overthrows they showed that stat sometime during the fourth quarter i thought he had more after that but regardless it was not a good day for ewers throwing the football i'm gonna give him a pass for this one because it was a very windy day it was his first road start as a college quarterback his only only his fifth start in his college career and it, it it was a very difficult situation for Ewers. I understand why he struggled, um, but on the other side, Oklahoma State was about to was able to bounce back from that 
collapse against TCU last week. And they were they were down early, 21-10 in the second quarter. But Spencer Sanders was very good at the end of the game. On the last couple of drives, he was fitting balls through double coverage to convert big third downs. And that's what great veteran quarterbacks have to do. They, they bounce back, and, and they're back in this Big 12 race. What were your takeaways from that game? Ah, yeah. Um, Spencer Sanders, you know, just kind of bouncing back and, and winning a game. You know, Oklahoma State... It, you know, Texas is the one team I feel that, that Oklahoma State struggles against uh, historically. That was their last home loss was, was to Texas, um, which I think was in 2020. So they're on a, a pretty long home winning home game winning streak at this point. Um, and the last team to beat them there was Texas. Texas should have uh, should have beat them again. I, I think I think it's more telling about Texas. Uh, and we talk about this all the time, right? Like you, Texas, you want to be back, you got to prove it to us. Um, they had double-digit lead here. They they couldn't hold on, and they blew it again, just like they blew it Tech. You know, probably should have lost to Iowa State. It, it's it's interesting because for whatever reason, teams, their Texas opponents just just seem to make the wrong plays at the most inopportune times. Both Iowa State and Oklahoma State threw critical interceptions in the end zone against against Texas. Iowa State, it cost them the game. Oklahoma State, they were able to uh, recover and, and win the game. So, yeah, Quinn, Quinn Ewers did not look terribly accurate. I'm fine with giving him a pass as well because I think he's kind of proven that he has, has some of the stuff. But as a whole, I think the game spoke a little bit more to Texas of, hey, they're not – um, you know, they're, they're still kind of repeating the same habits. That culture has not changed under Steve Sarkeesian. And I think it was Shahan Jayaraja of CBS and friend of the uh, friend of Bill Barris Illustrated as well that tweeted out something to the effect that like Steve Sar- Sarkeesian uh, has, you know, I, I think of, of has blown seven seven games where they've led by double digits uh, both this year and last year. I know Baylor was one of those games last year. So, you know, they just seem to have big leads and they, they can't finish. So um, that was that was my big big takeaway. And, and it's good to see Oklahoma State still in, in the mix and in the battle. But, yeah, they probably shouldn't have lost to TCU. Uh, should probably still be going on a special season. But we've kind of talked about this before. The Big 12 is kind of up in the air. Anybody's... anybody's uh, conference to to win so we like to think so but as of right now tcu doesn't seem to think so they're, they're still undefeated they haven't lost a game at all to number seven in the country and after, them. <laughs> after that big win against oklahoma state that big comeback win they have another comeback win this week against kansas state yep after adrian martinez got injured early their their backup quarterback Will Howard came in, but Kansas State put up a lot of points in the first half. They were up twenty eight to seventeen at halftime without their starting quarterback. And after that, TCU makes some adjustments and does not allow any more points to Kansas State after after the half. So that that was really impressive to me. Um 
I, I think that shows great coaching and it shows obviously resilience from, from the TCU players. They're looking like a really good team. And obviously this conference is very deep. So every game moving forward for them is going to be tough, but they're showing that they're in it to win it. And I think that TCU right now is, is the best team in the big 12, not just because they're undefeated, but because they're playing like the best team they've they've proven it too right tcu has gone out and they've proven that they're the best team and that if you're playing them you can't take your foot off the gas and max duggan uh along with his um running back and wide receiving uh threats have 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 really been excellent um in leading the horn frogs to this you know undefeated start top 10 in the nation uh beating the best of the big 12 right oklahoma state uh, Kansas State, you said it. They embarrassed Oklahoma. They beat Kansas at Kansas on when game day was there for the first time ever. Uh, that 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 had a lot of buzz. Um, so the, I I think I think they're the real deal. I don't. Again, I just don't foresee them getting cracking into the college football playoff. I don't foresee them finishing the season undefeated. But it's it's on the table. It's definitely in the cards. It's it's worth note noting. Just an interesting. Um, footnote, right, Pranay, is that their first four conference opponents, uh, the quarterbacks have all been injured uh, during the game uh, against TCU. So Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma was knocked out. That was a bad targeting penalty um, in, in terms of like that was a bad, pl- like dirty play type thing. Uh, Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders was injured the pre- you know, previous week was playing a little hurt and then got dinged up again near the end of the game, fourth quarter overtime type thing. Uh, J- Jalen Daniels for Kansas was knocked out of the game. And uh, and then this past week, you know, Kansas State lost both both their starting uh, and backup quarterbacks. So it's just, you know, uh, just an interesting footnote. You know, take take that uh, how you however you want to take that in into your analysis as your, you know, um, you know, as, as you're talking about TCU and everything like that. So, um, but you know, I'm, I'm most focused on the next game up for Baylor and that's Texas tech, Texas tech, the red Raiders, they destroyed the Mountaineers wasn't even close 48 to 10. So they're kind of this, you know, peaks and valleys type team as well. Uh, any thoughts on Texas tech? Well, I think that it's going to be a, a, difficult game for Baylor. I think it'll be one that they're going to have to really get ready for, especially because Joey McGuire is Texas Tech's head coach, and I'm sure he has some insight into how how Baylor plays and yep. that Texas Tech with their game planning. And obviously Texas Tech looks like a good team. They're 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. They have a win over Texas and then just absolutely dominated West Virginia 48 to 10 immediately after West Virginia beat Baylor in that shootout 43-40. So Baylor's going to have to be ready for it. Texas Tech is a good team and it's a road game, which is always difficult, especially in the Big 12. Mm. I am nervous about this game, but I think that Baylor is still for sure the more talented team. So if they can if they can settle down, play well, and play like they did in this first half against Kansas, then I think Baylor 
should be Texas Tech. That does not mean they will. Agreed. One one hundred percent agreed. They just stay calm, weather the storm. I do think even though it was an ugly win against Kansas, Baylor got some confidence, uh, much needed confidence, uh, in in how they played. Um, just overall, how how they started first half and then how they finished on that final drive. So I think that confidence will do them well, and they just gotta withstand uh, the punches. You know, God, I don't I don't know the last time Baylor. I don't know if you can look this up, Renee, real quick. When the last time uh, Baylor won in Lubbock, but I do know that it's been a, 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 over a decade since they've um, won there, at, at least, right? Number one. And number two, this is a really interesting stat. I think you'll find this in, uh, interesting I wanted to bring up. There are, in, um, in China, there are over 4,000... McDonald's restaurants in China. The last time Baylor won in Lubbock, none of those restaurants existed. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's a very wild stat. Yeah, I mean... How fast, how quickly McDonald's is growing. I, I know, right? I mean, it's it's on Twitter, Pernay, so it's got to be true. Uh, shout out the uh, the Gambling Gauchos. That's a, a Texas Tech podcast, but that's uh, that's where I saw the stat from. Um, so should be interesting, but it should be a really good game. They're honoring, you said, Joey McGuire, former Baylor coach, now head coach, Texas Tech. They're honoring Patrick Mahomes. It's like family weekend. It's a blackout at night. Um, and it, it you know, love it. Crazy things happen. Michael Crabtree beating Texas. Uh, they, they've upset Oklahoma there in the past. It's just a very, you know, weird, you know, weird spooky things happened in Lubbock, right? So uh, that it will be interesting to, to say the least um, for sure. And, and I know we just talked a lot about the Big 12 and Baylor. Obviously, this is a Baylor podcast, but just span the nation real quick, Pranay. Did any other games catch your eye this weekend? And, and what are you thinking? Like, who are your top, like, five teams, you know, playoff-type teams at this point? Yeah, well, I guess the the – Biggest game that caught my eye outside of the Big 12 was Clemson-Syracuse. Syracuse had a lead late in that game, and Clemson posted in its backup quarterback, freshman Kate Klubnik, who's a very highly rated recruit, but a freshman nonetheless. And Clemson gets a questionable call on, on a hit out of bounds and ends up coming back, scoring a touchdown on that drive, taking the lead. Later, and then winning the game 27 to 21, staying undefeated and handing Syracuse their first loss. So that kept them in the top five. And I'd say my top five teams right now would be Tennessee, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan. And then at five, I am going to, I'm going to say Clemson. Nice. I'd probably. Yeah, I probably um, – w- was that in order for you? Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go Georgia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan. I, I, I like them. Michigan at four. I'll keep them at four. And then, and then Alabama at five. I, I, think, I think Clemson's fraudulent. Um, and I think the only problem with Clemson being fraudulent is that the entire the rest of the ACC are even bigger frauds than Clemson. 
So you have bigger frauds trying to dethrone a, you know, a fraudulent team. And that's why Clemson has been able to, you know, survive. It wasn't Clemson. It wasn't a Q. Let's, let's, let's not mince words. It wasn't a QB switch that, that helped Clemson gain the momentum or anything like that. It was a total self-destruction by the orange, the Syracuse orange that, you know, they weren't able to capitalize on, on all four turnovers and create separation and pull away from Clemson uh, and, and make that comeback a little bit more difficult when they had the chance. The, uh, the backup quarterback, Cade, only threw four passes on the day. And then Clemson on their, you know, it was 21 to 10 when he came in. And Clemson on their first touchdown drive was aided by a late hit and then a face mask penalty. So two 15-yard penalties that extended the drive. One was on a third and 25 that uh, was just an awful late hit. Um so, but but because Clemson is staying undefeated and good for them, they're beating, they're beating who they uh, need to beat. They're they're fi- figuring out ways to win. They and they also beat a really good Wake Forest team. Like Wake Forest is just sitting there with one loss that is basically impossible for them to even make the ACC title game and therefore even think about the playoff because Clemson is just so far ahead at this point in the standings. Um, where Clemson, if they you know, if they just keep figuring out ways to win, then it's going to be like 2014 uh, Florida State where it's a perfect ACC team that is totally not the caliber of team you would want to see in the postseason, in the playoff, uh, but they but they got to qualify anyway because they're they're perfect. Um, Pernay, the game that, that caught my eye uh, was, was or- Oregon-UCLA. Um, I mean, think about all the adversity just in week one that Oregon went through with Bo Nix and the defense giving up 49 points to the defending champs in Georgia. They were a top 10 team, um, right? Oregon was and just fell flat on their face, no question about it. And they have they have come back, stormed back, to get back in the top 10 and have this opportunity to, um, you know, win the Pac-12 and and make it, make it potentially back to the CFP uh, for the first time since, since 2014. And what's interesting is since that Georgia game, they've scored at least 40 points in 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 the next you know six games that they've had or the rest of their games that they've had uh all year. So um and I love those uniforms. I, I wrote I wrote a newsletter about it uh called Neon Ducks and the We Are Going to Win newsletter that I that I do each week following the college football season from a more broad perspective but I loved I loved that game I loved the jerseys game day was there Lee Corso was holding a you know a duck that was flying away I, I, I just loved everything about that and then I'll throw you one more Pernay LSU taking down Ole Miss you mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast but I, I think that was big and you know um, I don't know is, is LSU for real can they take down Alabama probably probably not I would guess no but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. Okay, it's it's in Baton Rouge, so the, I think yeah, exactly. The, I think they're real. They okay. They uh just bulldozed past Ole Miss, who was undefeated uh, to this point. Forty-two to three run then the game, yeah. Yeah, and maybe Ole Miss isn't as good as their record was before, sure, but they're still a very good team, and and LSU. <laughs> In the second half, just totally destroyed them. Um, two of their losses. One is to Tennessee, who's very good. Yeah, they got blown out in that game. But the first one was 
a one-point loss to Florida State at the beginning of the season when Florida State was better than they are now. And that was, extra point. Very, that, that was a game LSU easily could have won. Um, I think LSU has a chance to beat Alabama, especially because Alabama has looked vulnerable this season. Now they look dominant against Mississippi State on Saturday, and maybe they're playing with a chip on their shoulder now that they have a loss that right. lost to Tennessee. But if LSU can play its best football and if Alabama is not at its absolute best, I think LSU is is pretty close to yeah. Alabama in terms of how good they are in football as a football team and they have Brian Kelly at head coach. I think that LSU can do it. Yeah, yeah. You you know this weekend, this weekend, right, October 29th, Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody. But this weekend, the sneaky good game is I I'm biased, right? We're biased, but but Baylor Texas Tech is a sneaky good game this weekend. I know I, I know all eyes are going to be on in Happy Valley, Penn State, Ohio State. Um, but I think we would both at least I'll I'll speak for myself. But I think Ohio State's going to going to win that one, but weird things happen. But Michigan took care of Penn State. I think Ohio State can do the same thing. Um, but but not this weekend, but the next weekend, November 5th, check out the SEC for the East and potentially for the West. LSU-Bama for the West, Tennessee-Georgia in the East uh, with surefire CFP implications, let alone, obviously, the, the SEC East um, on the line. So that's... I mean, circle that, star that on your calendar. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, and this week we've also got Oklahoma State at Kansas State, who each have one Big Twelve loss, and the winner of that game jumps into the number two spot in the Big Twelve standings. Absolutely, has the road in front of them for making the Big Twelve championship. So that's gonna be a big game as well, and it's a big game to watch for Baylor fans in case Baylor is able to bounce back because we're gonna be rooting for Kansas State to beat Oklahoma State. Since Oklahoma State already has the head-to-head advantage against Baylor, that is uh, that that's very true. And if you know, not to harp on the Baylor, but if Baylor can beat Texas Tech, you gotta maybe yeah, and they look good and you know fix some of the problems, then you gotta feel maybe a little bit more confident going to Oklahoma, just because of how Oklahoma's been this year. Of like, hey, at least we got you know we should have a good chance here, and then. <laughs> that could set up some interesting, you know, right? Win those two games, and then that could set up some interesting matchups against uh, when you host TCU and Kansas State at home. Uh, that's looking very far ahead, but it, it could get interesting. You know, Texas Tech is a, a linchpin of this season that's kind of, um, you know, I know we, we mentioned that a little bit during our, our season preview as well. So it, it's just a lot of fun, right? Just a lot of fun, very interesting. A lot, a lot. There's still a lot of hope to go around, Pernay. There's still a lot of hope to go around, and it doesn't matter what you're hoping for, but there's a lot of hope. College football gives it to you. Yeah, it's not Christmas Christmas time yet, but there sure is a lot of hope to go around in the Big Twelve. All right, that's all we've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening.